Truth and Transcendence. Brought to you by Yes, You Now with Catherine Llewellyn. Truth and Transcendence, Episode 19. How do leaders balance getting things done and making our people feel good? This heading was uh, given to me by a client who sent in a, a very interesting request this week for the next Truth and Transcendence episode. And he, he kicked it off with a quote. Now, I haven't checked this quote, so it may not be word perfect, but I'm sure it is pretty close to what was originally said. So I'm going to read to you what, what my client said in his message to me. He said, Maya Angelou said something I think is very, very powerful. People will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. People will never forget how you made them feel. He goes on to say, in this context, how do we as leaders balance our need to get things done and making people feel good? particularly at a time when the bar keeps raising in terms of feeling good? Great question. And actually, that question and and variations on that question have cropped up with pretty much everyone I've ever worked with. Because there's always that question of how do we balance getting delivered what we want to get delivered and looking at the experience that people are having along the way. How do we balance those things? The, ver- the first thing that I think is useful to look at in this context is any belief that we may have that getting things done and having our people feel good are necessarily in conflict. Now, this, this assumption is a very easy one to make because we're in a world where we're surrounded by messages which say, feeling good equals the absence of discomfort. And making an effort and working hard are uncomfortable. So therefore, if you take that and extrapolate that, what you come to is, surely it's not possible to get things done and have people feeling good. Now, if if by feeling good, we mean the absence of discomfort, uh, a kind of a comfortable easy, um, effortless existence, then I would say that's probably true, that getting things done and people feeling good are in conflict. However, I actually believe in another aspect of the human spirit, which is this aspect which says that actually that comfortable existence only stays comfortable for so long. And you then either just sink into a kind of a numbness where things start to lose their meaning, or you start to become bored, frustrated, annoyed, and potentially depressed. So really, the absence of discomfort is not the path to true fulfillment and true happiness. And if we try and prioritize that for our people, we're not actually serving them and their their best interests. And equally, we're not serving the path and the mission of actually getting things done. And so 
it's kind of interesting to then explore, well, what is, what is it that helps people feel good? What is it that fulfills people? And we already know the answer to this because we already know when we feel fulfilled. And our people are just people, just like us. This is another thing I've come across so many times where leaders start to get this kind of um, illusion that people lower down in the hierarchy are not built the same way that they are. Now, obviously, in some ways they're not, but in all of the very important ways that they are, they still love, they still have joy, they still have anger, they still have sadness, they still have happiness, they have all of the same experiences that that leaders do. It's exactly the same. It's just that the circumstances of life are different. The, the, the degree of advantage may be different. The degree of purposefulness may, may be different. There are a whole number of things that may be different, but, but at our core, we as humans have more in common than we have not in common. So when we're asking ourselves, what is it that enables our people to feel good? Really, the first place to look is, well, what is it that makes us feel good? Is it a good job well done? Is it a sense of completion? Is it a sense of having made a contribution? Is it a sense of excitement and interest in what we're doing? Is it a sense of collegiality, of community and connection with others? All of these things are intensely fulfilling for us. And they're intensely fulfilling for our people. So the question really becomes, how do we set the conditions for our people to have those wonderful experiences? And also, isn't it interesting to remember that actually the, the situations that lead to those people, to our people having those positive experiences are very much the same situations that lead to our people delivering. So what I'm suggesting is that when we look a little bit deeper than are people having a nice time and are people free from discomfort, when we look a little bit deeper than that, I think what we tend to find is that that which is most fulfilling for our people is is very probably that which also tends to help our people to deliver. Now, if that's not the case in your organization, that is worthy of looking into. Because if that isn't the case, if a fulfilling work experience for your people is not actually congruent with your, with your people delivering, then why is that? Is it because you've got the wrong people in the wrong post? Is it because the way your organization is designed in terms of the the roles and the responsibilities isn't quite right, perhaps? Is it because there's a lack of cooperation between different parts of your organization so that people are working hard, they're fulfilled in their work, but but it isn't actually delivering because it's not connecting properly with the next element in the chain of delivery? Or is it that there's something about the leadership of your organization, which means people are not being directed correctly 
into the activity that's going to deliver the result. So there are, there are a number of things that you, you already know this, I'm sure, that you can look into and explore and try and find out what the issues might be triggered by if you have a realisation that when your people are fulfilled, they're still not delivering. Now, you may call me idealistic, and I actually am fairly idealistic. I do I do tend to view things from, from a more idealistic uh, perspective. Uh, but, but the benefit to that for me is it means that I can envision a positive outcome and I can imagine ways to get to that positive outcome. So if you have that idealistic side of yourself as well, you can use that aspect, you can use that idealism to consider the possibility, supposing if all of my people were in a state of, of being fulfilled in their work, which by the way, fulfillment includes moments of disappointment and moments of difficulty and mistakes and and so on. But but all of that means that when the fulfillment comes, it's all the richer and all the more authentic. So if you're looking at your organization and you say to yourself, supposing all my people were in a state of fulfillment in their work, would that also mean simultaneously and inevitably that they were delivering and that I was getting things done? And if not, what is it I need to explore to find out why it's not? What are the issues? So I'm suggesting that really the, 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 the problem here is not how do we get things done at the same time as having our people feel good. The question, as if our people feeling good is in conflict with getting things done, it's more a question of saying, if there is a conflict between those two things, there may be something wrong. Rather than saying, when there's a conflict, conflict between those two things, that means that the premise that they are in conflict is proven correct. So it's a different philosophical position in response to the question. And it's a creative position. So it may be overly idealistic. And it may not be 100% accurate and certainly not provable, but it is definitely a more creative position. Now, coming on from that, another assumption that's worth exploring is the notion that we make people feel good. Anyone who's ever been in a long-term relationship will know that it is not possible to make somebody else feel good all of the time. And it's not possible for someone else to make us feel good all of the time. Now, again, I'm talking about fulfillment as opposed to just feeling a kind of a happy, um, cotton wool insulated absence of discomfort. It is possible to experience that in any circumstance if you remove all the challenges and you remove all the difficulties. But unfortunately, when you do that, you also remove the reasons for living, which is to actually be creative and, and, and be expressive and, and be contributing and all, of the, and all of the other things that really do fulfill us. So yes, challenging the notion that we make people feel good is also very useful in this context. 
and saying to ourselves, well, what is our responsibility as leaders? What are we actually responsible for? Well, you know what you're responsible for. You're responsible for giving people a clean and safe working environment, whether heating works, whether lighting works. You're, you're responsible for making sure they know what they're supposed to be doing, making sure they're supported, that they have the facilities, that they have the equipment, that they're, they're within a well-oiled machine where everything connects with everything else. So you know that's your responsibility and you know that you have other people downline from you in the organization who are responsible for aspects of that. But you're not responsible for how people feel and you can't control how people feel. So you may come back to me and say, well, Catherine, then why did you think this question from your client was interesting? And the answer is because that is a genuine question which leaders all over the world are asking themselves right now. So it's genuine and it's valid. And I would suggest that the question comes from a place of actually wanting people to have a good experience and being committed to getting results and recognising that when we don't get results in our organisation, no stock is stable. In the long term, we, our organisation will not survive if we don't get things done. And if, we don't, if our organisation doesn't survive, that's also not going to help our people feel good because they're going to be out of a job. So actually, this question comes from a positive place, it comes from a place of wanting to do a good job and wanting to support other people and wanting other people to have a good experience and wanting to be creative and, and, and be, a, a, be making a contribution. So yes, it is a valuable question. But we can't make people feel good. And just pause on that for a second. You know, if, if you possibly had a reaction to that and thought, well, yes, I can make people feel good, then I would suggest that you question that and say, okay, what do you really mean by that? What is it you really are able to do? And how long lasting is that? So yes, you can give somebody a massage and that might be a wonderful experience for them and they'd love it. By the way, I am not suggesting that you give people massages at work and I'm equally not suggesting that you don't. It depends on the organisational culture that you're in. I was in a culture for several years where we did go up and give each other shoulder massages and we got each other's permission before doing that. Uh, but that was a high pressure environment where people got very, very tight in the shoulders and neck and suffered from headaches and stress as a result. So that was part and parcel of what we were doing. And we all gave each other permission to do it. And if someone didn't want that to happen, that was absolutely fine. So that's a bit of a digression, but it's an example of when you're doing something to help people feel good and it is specific to the situation. So when you're looking at your people, you're also, and you're asking the question, how do I help them feel good? You're also looking at what is their actual situation? What is it that will help them? There was a thing that used to happen. I don't know if it still happens now where where leaders would go for a walkabout through the building. And they would do this because they'd been told by their coach that they need to be visible. 
And, you know, they'd had um, surveys done, attitude surveys done in their organization where results had come back and they'd been told by their expensive management consultants, these results say you need to be more visible. And they would interpret that to mean I must walk around the floors. Now, unfortunately, very often when they did this, it became like a sort of visiting dignitary situation where somebody would spot the boss at the other end of the floor, coming into the floor, and the word would spread across the floor that the boss was walking through and everybody would go on their best behaviour immediately until that person had finished walking through, making little small talk and pleasantries as they went, all of which was terribly awkward, and then they would leave. And then everyone would relax and go back to what they were doing. That was not what was required. That was not the solution. And I had so many clients who would say to me, Catherine, I'm doing this. Uh, I've been told this is what I should be doing. Uh, But I hate it, but I'm doing it for the people. And I said, well, do the people like it? I said, well, I don't know. (laughs) Well, to ask them. And it turned out people didn't really like it. It It was a source of tension and awkwardness for everybody concerned. So that was a an unthought through, not very intuitive response to, again, this imperative to want to be helping our people and supporting our people. So I'm, what I'm bringing in here, I suppose, is a little bit of a, uh, a, a playful reminder that we, we need to use some intelligence around this. We need to look at this more from the point of view of these are actual human beings. These are not... Um, uh, another species, like something out of Brave New World, you know, where they came out of a different test tube, which was processed in a different way. And so they must be treated as such, as if they're not very bright. No. And I know none of you would ever do that intentionally. But unfortunately, many of us have actually done these behaviours over the years. So yes, we're looking at what's our responsibility as leaders What is it that has our people feel really fulfilled and feel good? What is it that we can do that supports that? And if when we're supporting that, that doesn't then connect with higher delivery and getting things done, then is there something that we need to be questioning about the way we have things set up? Our recruitment, our induction, our leadership our organisational structure, our business process, our chain of activity between all the different departments, our facilities, our reporting. Are there gaps and holes and problems with some of those, which mean that there's a, a disjoining, a disjoint between people being fulfilled in doing their work and getting good results? So what we're really looking for is the sweet spot in the Venn diagram where greater productivity and contribution equals greater satisfaction, fulfillment and happiness. And one of one of the ways to help ourselves do that is to look out for incidents of expedience, mediocrity and throwing effort at the problem. Because all of these are uh, lazy thinking. Sometimes they're virtue signaling. And they don't get the result 
but then they're also unfulfilling for people. So if we look out for those expedience mediocrity and throwing effort at the problem and look for places where we're tolerating that or where other people are tolerating those things and challenge that, that's a brilliant lever for getting closer to that sweet spot where people are satisfied, fulfilled and happy and they're productive and they're contributing. So what we're really doing there is we're tapping into a a sensitivity and intuition for the levers for satisfying growth. Now, that's going to be unique to your organization. Some of it will be common to other other similar organizations, but really the most important levers are going to be unique to your organization. So it's a fascinating thing to look into and I would suggest that really exploring this properly is a matter of six to 18 months to explore properly and get all the right people involved and go right through the organization, really checking this out. And if you, if you keep that principle of are our people satisfied and fulfilled and are they productive and contributing? If the answer is yes to one but no to the other, you've got a problem. If the answer is no to both, you've got a big problem. And if the answer is yes to both, you have got it right. You found that sweet spot. So that's the time to really say, great, take a freeze frame of this. How are we doing this? What is it we're doing that helps those two things take place? Because what you've probably got at that point is a strong culture. What you've probably got at that point is a culture of collaboration, endeavour, creativity, fulfilment, and goodwill. So that's a fantastic place to be, a very exciting place to be. But even once you've reached that place, there will still be times when compromises are necessary. But the great thing is, when you've got that wonderful culture, you can then enroll your people into helping solve the conundrum of needing to make compromises. So that, so that is a yet another layer of opportunity for helping your people be fulfilled. Because what you're doing there is you're giving them a chance to actually own more challenging situations. And you're taking it away from the situation where everything's on your shoulders, where you're in the position of asking the question, how do I get things done whilst having my people feel good? Instead, it becomes, how do we get things done whilst being fulfilled in the process, which is a much more interesting and juicy and delightful place to be. So yes, thank you very much to my client who sent in that question. As I've said before, I, I'm I'm not naming people when they send in these requests unless they specifically ask me to do so. But I will make sure that he knows that this episode is coming out today so that he'll be able to listen into it. And um, I hope that he finds this useful, this uh, response that I've done. Now, these are important considerations for leaders in general. Um, and it's a, an excuse for me to lead into a recent study that I've done, which is on the human side of being a non-exec 
chairman. And this study came about because quite a few of my clients are or have been non-exec chairmen. And I was fascinated by some of the conundrums or conundra that they told me about in their role. So I sat down and asked people to share with me a bit more. And what emerged was an ebook. And what emerged was the importance of autonomy, making decisions and knowing what's important, and relationship, taking people with you. So the ebook is called Autonomy in Relationship, the human side of being a non-exec chairman. So I'd love to share this ebook with you. You can get it at yesyounow.today forward slash chairman. So that's yesyounow, Y-E-S-Y-O-U-N-O-W dot today forward slash chairman, C-H-A-I-R-M-A-N. So thank you for listening. Enjoy the ebook and see you next week. You've been listening to Truth and Transcendence, the regular weekly podcast from Yes, You Now with Catherine Llewellyn. For more information, head to yesyounow.today forward slash podcast.